Welcome to the Neurodivergent CEO Podcast. I'm Amanda Hess, a certified life and success coach specializing in empowering neurodivergent leaders, CEOs, and entrepreneurs. Ever felt like your achievements didn't line up with your internal struggles? Trust me, I've been there. I couldn't comprehend how I had dedicated so much effort to success only to find myself deeply unhappy while everyone around me perceived me as having it all. But here's the thing, your beautifully unique brain holds the power to transform your perspective and bring happiness and fulfillment into your life. That's why I created this podcast, to help you unlock that potential. If you're tired of being on the hamster wheel of your life and yearning to redefine your own version of success, then you've come to the right place. So my friend, buckle up and get ready because this is just the beginning of an incredible journey. It's time to tune in and explore the extraordinary possibilities together. Hello, how are you? I am going to be sharing with you today something that is a concept of mine. Other people might teach their version of it. I don't really know, but I want to talk to you about building a foundation. I was just coaching a client who is going through something difficult in her marriage. And her and I were talking about the fact that she's not over some of the things that went on. And what I will say to you is, is this is a really recurring theme for people that come into my coaching practice. And it's something that I'm very familiar with. It's something that I've coached a lot on. And I thought it would be really impactful for me to share it with you here on the podcast so you understand how this needs to work. What I typically see is that something goes on in a relationship and trust is broken. Okay. So sometimes that's infidelity. Sometimes that's addiction. It can be a lot of different things, but something happens and it's a big thing. Okay. Something very big happens that throws a huge wrench in the relationship. And I don't know what I will say about being married. I've been married for 20 years now is that wrenches get thrown in and it's normal. It happens. And yet a lot of us don't really have the skill set to be able to handle it or know what to do. And when you go to your friends or you go to your family because they have a vested interest in your well being, either they want you to stay or they want you to go, but they don't want to sit with the discomfort of not knowing. And I think that is true for us too inside of ourselves that there is so much pain. <laughs> that we associate with not knowing, not knowing the answer, not knowing how it's going to turn out, not knowing what to do. And I actually think that when it comes to relationships, whether it's infidelity or divorce or death, it all works the same way. Circumstantially, there's obviously there's differences, but ultimately we do need to move through certain stages of what's happened to be able to move on. And I think that too often what happens is we're in a hurry to move on. We want to be able to move on immediately. And I wish that I could tell you that you can, but you can't. And I will also tell you though, that the change, the moving through it, the building of the new foundation, what's amazing is that foundation is stronger 
that foundation is deeper and that foundation is less likely to be rocked by the next thing if you build it properly. When I was speaking to this client and when I have spoken to clients in the past about trust being lost in a relationship, oftentimes there will be couples therapy that takes place, right? And in couples therapy, the therapist is working on building trust, but they're trying to build trust. They're trying to build the house and the foundation is still a disaster. And then the person that is in that experience feels completely effed up because they don't have the ability or the capacity to build that trust because they have nothing to build it on. And so they start falling apart. And I think more marriages end that way than should in all honesty. And I think it can be really impactful to look at what's really got to go on here. And I really, I laid this out for my client today. It's how I see it. It's how I've helped people work through this. And it, it does seem to be what works the best. Okay. So the first thing that we have to get through is acceptance, acceptance that this has actually happened and not just that this has happened, but this happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen because it happened. Now that doesn't mean that it's not painful. That doesn't mean that it's not difficult. That doesn't mean that it's not hard to process or that this isn't going to be something that is going to take a while to get over. What I am saying though, is when we argue with it, when we argue with the truth of it, we lose in the words of Byron Katie, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. And there's just so much truth in it. When we, with reality, we lose. And it doesn't matter who's wrong and who's right. What matters to me for my life and what matters to me for my clients is that the result is getting closer and closer to what they want it to be. The first thing we have to work on is acceptance. And what I see is a lot of people trying to rush through this stage. You can't rush this stage. This stage is going to take some time. This stage is going to take baby steps. So like I was sharing with my client today, I likened it to quitting smoking. You're probably like, what are you talking about? But I smoked for years and I quit smoking a couple of times. So I quit smoking when I got pregnant with my first child and quit smoking the whole time. And then when he was a baby and I was really struggling, I picked it up again. And then when I got pregnant subsequent times and I had three miscarriages in between my kids, I would quit smoking when I was pregnant and then I would start smoking when I start when I lost the baby or in the case of having Cooper, my youngest, I quit smoking when I was pregnant with him and then subsequently started again when he was a baby. Okay. There's a point. I promise we're going somewhere with this. So then I was able to quit smoking several years later. I quit smoking because my son was on the front porch emulating me smoking and I almost died inside when I saw it. And so I decided, nope, that's it. I'm done not smoking anymore. So I quit. I was able to quit until my mom got sick with cancer. And when my mom got sick with brain cancer, I flew to Hawaii because my brother needed to fly home so that he could be there with his very pregnant wife. And 
while I was there, a friend asked me to pick up Marlboros for her because we can't get those in Canada. Maybe you can, but it's hard. And so I did. And then I smoked some of those and I started smoking again. And I actually did manage to quit the final time when my mom was still alive. I managed to finally quit for good a hundred percent. And what I really am trying to impart to you here, the reason why I'm telling you this story about my smoking, which is irrelevant potentially, is it's actually very relevant with respect to how do we need to approach trauma. Okay. So when I finally quit smoking that last time, it would be easy to say that all the other times before that I failed, but that's actually not really true. All of those times that I quit before were stepping stones to the final time when I quit. And that final time when I quit, what I did back in the day when I had a Blackberry, I did not have an iPhone. I was online on my computer in a support group that was run by the government. And I could go in there and I could just talk to people, talk about the craving, talk about wanting to smoke. And one way they let us through it was like, take it one hour at a time, take it half a day at a time, take it full day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time, a year at a time. And really keeping your focus on if I need to, if I feel like I need to smoke this bad in an hour, I'll let myself smoke. And what happened for me was like, I didn't need to smoke because I didn't feel the same way in an hour. So when it comes to healing trauma and trust me, if infidelity is part of what's going on for you or death or any other kind of major event, that is a trauma. Okay. This is something that hurts you deeply. And it's something that you are having a hard time processing and that is going to make a permanent change in your life. Okay. And a permanent change from the standpoint of it is changing the fabric of you. All right. So if you are going through a trauma, you are going to need to work through finding acceptance. And what I will tell you is that finding acceptance is a decision at the first part. All right. Deciding to accept because you see the rationality behind it, because you understand why it's important, because you can see the truth of it. And then it's also a process. It's something that we do every day. Okay. So at the beginning, you might have to do it one minute at a time. You might have to do it 30 seconds at a time. You might have to really consciously work at not, not accepting. <laughs> You're really gonna have to work at being accepting of what has happened in that it happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. And so it doesn't really matter who was wrong or who was right. It doesn't really matter finding fault. It just matters that we accept it. And so at the beginning, acceptance feels hard. Acceptance requires a lot of support. Acceptance requires vigilance. But as time moves on, it will become easier, even though it doesn't feel like it right now, even though right now you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I promise you it gets easier. Now, step two is allowing the grief. It's the grieving process. It's really considering that it is okay to have negative emotion surrounding what is going on right now. 
that is just the truth of it for you. And what it will tell you about grief and allowing sadness is that it's very challenging. Okay. It feels like it's never going to get better. It feels like you're going to be sad forever, but you will not be. I promise. I promise you that you will not be sad forever. But if you don't let yourself be sad, if you don't learn the very essential skill of allowing emotion, you will find yourself in this hopeless game of whack-a-mole. And what happens is you keep trying to shove the feeling down and you whack the mole and it just pops up somewhere else. And how this can often look is popping up as anger and resentment, because those emotions are easier to hold and easier to react to than sadness and grief. They just are. It is easier to feel angry than it is to feel sad. A lot of times when we sink into the sadness, we think we're going to go down the hole and we'll never get back out. That's not true. The truth is though, you have to let yourself feel sad long enough to process it has to move through your body. You have to let it through. If you let it through, it will move. I promise you it will move. And when you do that, it makes room for other emotions to come in. It also gives you the ability to approach the problem that you're dealing with differently. A lot of times what I find when somebody is going through this is they're fighting against themselves on two different fronts. So on one side, they are looking at their relationship and thinking that they can't leave because they'd have to blow up their entire fucking life. And that's impossible. Financially, it's impossible for the kids. It's impossible for extended family, for friends that my whole life will have to blow up. So I can't leave. But then on the other side, the other front of this is I can't stay because that means I'm a sucker. That means that I let this happen. And then I just came back for more. And if it happens again, I'm the fool. And so what I see is people bouncing from one side of this to the other. And we can't rationalize this right now. We can't really make a good decision. Now that's not to say if you want to leave and you want to leave right now, you can. But what I am going to tell you is that no matter if you stay or if you go, the process is the same. So like I said, we start out with acceptance. We then move into grief and we grieve. And then from there, we have to move into forgiveness. And I shouldn't say you have to, you definitely don't have to. But what I will tell you is that the people that do the best, the people that heal the fastest and the more completely healed people are the ones that can find the forgiveness. And what I will tell you is that if you allow the grief and the sadness, it opens up cracks where you can find forgiveness. And what I will also tell you is that this is 100% a skill. This is definitely not something that we're born with and we're not taught it at all either. In fact, I would say we're taught the opposite, which is we should be so explosive with our emotions that we should be one way or the other. And if you're not 
deciding one or the other right away that you're wrong, depending on what side of the fence you're on. As your coach, what I'm more concerned with is let's make sure that we get you to this solid and okay place. That's what I want for you. I want you to get to solid and okay, because you can make really good decisions from solid and okay. They will feel clear. You will feel certain. You will fucking know. And I've just seen it happen too many times with my clients to think any different. It's always true. And when we can stop pulling our focus away from how do I get to this place where I trust him or how do I get to this place where I don't hate him, whatever it is, right? Instead, it's like, how do I accept? How do I grieve? And how do I forgive? Forgive him, forgive me, forgive the situation, forgive the society that we grow up in and the expectations that surround relationships and marriage and all of the other things, really just being exploratory in our thinking and at the same time dropping into our body. So a lot of this work, right? A lot of this work at the beginning is regulating your nervous system. It's learning how to allow emotion. It's slowing down. It's not being in a rush. What I will tell you is sometimes I think when I'm explaining this to people, they think, holy shit, I'm going to be in a deep, dark hole all the time. You aren't actually. I think what you will be pleasantly surprised to find is a piece that you have been missing. If your brain is just going round and round and round and round in a circle, this is your center. This is how we make all that shut the fuck up so that we can move forward. The other thing that I will say about this is that this isn't a set it and forget it thing. This is a living, moving thing. So it's something that we're always breathing life into. And sometimes our trauma is triggered without us knowing. So circumstances will happen. Something will go on. And all of a sudden we notice that we're in fight, flight, freeze. Like we have gone into a full on panic response and what you want to be able to do is first of all, recognize it, understand it, and be able to take care of yourself through it. And at the same time, start establishing proactive self-care so that these things don't last as long. They're caught more quickly and we can bring ourselves back in a very secure and easy way. What I tend to find is that we want the fix in the moment but what we don't realize is that fix isn't the one that's going to help us the most. What's going to help us the most is that proactive self-care. It's really and truly establishing practices that ground us on a regular basis, combined with changing our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves, changing our thoughts and beliefs about what's possible, changing our thoughts and beliefs about self-love, self-trust, self-belief, really building that up. When we build that up, then we have the base to be able to allow the emotions that are going to show up, our nervous system being unregulated. It makes everything easier. I don't want you to walk away from this episode thinking this is complicated. This is super, super simple. I have literally given you three steps, right? What are you going to do? You're going to grieve, you're going to allow, and you're going to forgive. That's the base. 
That is what I do through coaching. So if you're listening to this thinking, how the F do I even do that? I have in previous episodes, definitely given you all of this, but if you want my help putting that together for your particular life, then I really want you to book a strategy session with me. So we can talk about how this could look in your life and I can help you put these building blocks in place. I've done it so many times. It's so intrinsic. It's such an easy way to do it. It's very much just getting on a call with me and really me helping you move through this process. It almost feels like osmosis the way that it happens for you through my coaching program. So what I'd like you to do is go to amandahess.ca. You'll see on there, you can book a strategy session, press the button, book the call. Let's talk about what's going on for you. And I will help you see how this applies to your situation. And then I'll be able to help you decide whether or not my signature process is the right fit for you. Okay, my friend, that is what I've got for you today. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.